Hi, this is David. I bet you've heard the saying that food is medicine. But the thing is, we also want our food to be quick and tasty. Factor has the solution. Their delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. They deliver prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including Kato, Calorie Smart, Vegan and Veggie, and more. Plus, there's extra things to enjoy. They have over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, like snacks and smoothies, that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. You'll be glad to hear that Factor is affordable. I've done the math. and Factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash living50 and use code living50 to get 50% off. That's code living50 at factormeals.com slash living50 to get 50% off. Thank you. Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading was edited and adapted from Happiness by Hugh Black, published in 1911. However we define happiness, and whatever be the source to which we look for happiness, there are foes on every side. If much of our ordinary happiness comes from the outside, pleasant experiences and environments, we are at the mercy of any bad event. The more we look for happiness from outside amusements and surface delights, the more dependent we are on circumstances. We expect too much from our environment. We may buy peace of a sort, and for a time, by constant compromise, by base connivance, by ever giving in to its spirit, but sooner or later the world is too much for us. Happiness is the net result of an individual's whole reaction to life. It is an inward state, affected no doubt by outward conditions, but not completely dependent on them. It is a feeling of the heart, and an attitude of the soul. Life is not a matter of surroundings merely, and a change of environment will not give a change of self. In the busy market, in a crowded street, with the roar of life in the ears and brain, people have known an interior peace that nothing could disturb. So, when we speak of the foes of happiness, we are forced to look deeper than do outward fortune. We have to look within, for each must find the fountain of good for themselves. Happiness or unhappiness depends much on disposition, and disposition means the way we look at things, and the way we comport ourselves. In common speech, we say of a person that they are their own worst enemy. 
or that they are the enemy of no one but themselves. It suggests that the problem is a deeper one than one of environment. Environment is indeed immensely important for happiness, as it is for life itself, but often we take a surface view of what is a life's environment. There is a moral environment, as well as a material, a spiritual climate, as well as a physical. The forces that play upon life and mold character thus cannot be so easily embodied in laws and benevolent social schemes by the government. There are two factors often overlooked when dealing with this subject. One is that perhaps the biggest part of a person's environment is themselves. After all, I have to live with myself, and I may be a difficult person to live with. I have to submit to the influence of my own thoughts and habits and general view of life. The worst foes of happiness are to be found within, in the qualities of mind which we have cultivated, in the opinions and feelings of which we have given hospitality. We cannot harbor desires, ambitions, and thoughts without their affecting our life, and therefore our happiness. As you thinketh in your heart, so you are. The other factor often overlooked is that the chief environment of a human life does not consist of things, but of people. Conditions of work, conditions of houses and streets, and civic arrangements are indeed powerful agents in influencing habits and character, but they are powerful because they are impregnated with the lives of others. The beginning, middle, and end of all influence is personal. All the permanent influences of life come from persons. Our real environment consists not of events but of life, not of things but of people. The environment of a child is not the house, its size and furniture, but the home, the quality of the life inside it. Likewise, the environment of education is not the school, but the teachers and the pupils, of not the games, but the players. The environment of an individual is not the work they do, so much as the workers with whom they work, not the city you live in, so much as the citizens. We are the product and the creators of our environment. For good or evil it is ever with us, a gift which we possess, an influence to which we are subject. These two neglected factors indicate that we have to look to internal qualities for our failure to make the most of life. Anything that breaks the current of the best social life, anything that hinders and impedes true relations, is a foe to happiness. For it is a law of life that we cannot be happy in the fullest sense while alone. 
most of our causes of uneasiness are due to a lack of goodwill, a failure to play our part in social life. For example, an attitude of suspicion which makes one refuse to enter frankly into society is bound to cause you unhappiness. You have got to live with others. And if you go about perpetually as if you expected others to tread on your toes, the chances are that you will get your toes trodden upon. There can be no real happiness for suspicious people who live as if they thought others are always waiting to pick their pocket or do to them some evil turn. Even if they escape some personal injury by their caution, as no doubt they sometimes do, they are cutting themselves off from the human joy of social relations and the free outgoing of life which is the source of happiness. Any place may be good enough to live a life in, but more depends on the kind of life than the kind of place. A great deal of anxiety which darkens the world comes often from our misplaced self-importance. We put such value on our own affairs and on our own comfort that we constantly worry about it. But when we view things in the large and get out into the wider life, we lose some of our fretful cares. A right disposition towards life ensures much quiet happiness we begin to learn the true proportion of things. Happiness is not dependent on a few great occasions of sudden joy and is not disturbed severely by a great trial. Unhappiness is bred from the little maladjustments of life, the petty cares, the trivial troubles, the small disappointments, the endless occasions of discord. The place to fight many of the foes of happiness is where they find lodging in the soul. Nothing so completely destroys a peaceful life as extreme ambition. It is never satisfied and pants for new worlds to conquer. A self-seeking person can never reach the end they covet. There is, of course, a discontent with present conditions, which is the mother of progress. It dreams of ever higher conquests and is not satisfied with its achievements. But extreme ambition is often ignoble, born of vanity and the restless passion for gratification of self. Such an ambition convinces us that we must shine in some place of power. We begin to covet that place for its own sake, not as an opportunity for service. True fame comes to an individual simply and naturally from their work and character. But ambition makes fame the end towards which all efforts are directed. The world is full of restless climbers who are pursuing selfish purposes. It is a desperate pursuit, and the chance of success for each is small. There aren't enough positions of prominence to give one to each, for they would cease to be prominent if many people could occupy them. 
there are only a few places vacant where greatness can shine. Only a few niches in the temple. The Valhalla has room for only a few heroes. If honor does come to us, we can wear it gracefully and use it nobly. But ambition frets the mind and inflames the soul. The self-centered life has a fever in it, which wastes it away. Every attainment only excites new desires, and every failure casts us down and mortifies. It is a hopeless task, for happiness is entirely put into the care of other people, and yet the design is a selfish one. True happiness comes from self-forgetting work and from service which does not think too much about reward. All forms of selfishness, though they at first seem the natural way to attain happiness, end up destroying it. In a society torn by ambition in every region of life, there is raised a brood of passions that ruin tranquility to the mind that will harbor them. One of the commonest of these is envy. Envy is always a mark of inferiority, for a great mind has neither room nor time for it. Joseph Addison declared that this passion of envy reigns more among bad poets than among any other set of people. Unfortunately, however, it is not confined to bad poets, but is found everywhere, and it is surely due to a false view of life. If everyone sought to give their contribution to the world, we would be glad for every gift and seek to give it opportunity to do its best work. If true happiness is social and lives in an atmosphere of goodwill, such a passion as envy is one of the worst foes of personal happiness. It does not lower the high, but really lowers the person who indulges in it. For true happiness, we must cultivate the spirit which recognizes the good, wherever it appears. The only thing to do in the presence of excellence is to acknowledge it, encourage it, further it, love it. We must avoid the narrowness which denies good, because it does not wear our particular badge and come through our approved channel. Remember that there is a real connection between happiness and goodness. People discover that in the long run it cannot be got through wrongdoing. The great souls of the past have instinctively felt that happiness must somehow be associated with whatever is looked on as the great end of human life. The scheming, selfish person can never get peace out of life. Malice and hate of all sorts cloud the intellect, so that things are seen out of their true perspective. They make a circle of contagion until all life is poisoned. These foes of happiness can only be driven out, and held at bay by love, by an attitude of goodwill, and by a purpose-driven life of service.